Hello and welcome to the third episode of the Greens West podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Globus. Greens West Magazine is co-published by Alberta Barley and the Alberta Wheat Commission. It's our goal to connect farmers, food, and ideas. And as always, if you'd like to read our exclusive online-only stories or subscribe to our monthly e-newsletter, you can by visiting GrainsWest.com. Alongside the great team at Grains West Magazine, we're here to bring you the story behind the story. And today's episode is titled Barley Buy-In. We will take an in-depth look at new malting barley varieties and how they impact everyone in the barley value chain. The creation of new malting varieties is a lengthy and pretty complex process. Um, even once they're produced and made available, generating acceptance of new varieties and getting them into circulation requires buy-in along the value chain from malters and brewers to seed companies, seed growers and farmers. Now from July 23rd to 25th, 2019, four industry groups cooperated in presenting the first Made in Canada crop tour. Uh, this had the aim of creating such, such barley buy-in. These organizations included Alberta Barley, Sask Barley, the Canadian Malting Barley Technical Center, the CMBTC for short, and the Brewing and Malting Barley Research Institute, which is the BMBRI. The event brought in a wide variety of barley industry representatives along to discuss a handful of promising varieties now with this, inspecting several on-farm barley fields at Antler Valley Farm, Lentz Farms, and Hamill Farms, participants also toured the Hamill family's Redshed Malting Facility, as well as they also visited plots at the Field Crop Development Center, the FCDC, near Lacombe. Now most importantly, participants weighed the agronomic and malting characteristics of tried and true varieties versus the potential of new ones to reinvigorate the barley system. New barley varieties included AAC Synergy, CDC Bow, CDC Fraser, Low, and CDC Churchill. And now Ian was actually at one of these events and Ian, what was your impression of everything? The timing of the Maiden Canada crop tour was good. Like much of the prairies, the crops in Alberta's barley belt were a bit behind as of late July but these farms were getting well-spaced rainfalls and the crops were looking pretty lush. And aside from one very short windstorm, the weather was beautiful at all stops on the tour. Uh, maybe because the tour had such a variety of folks from across the barley industry. We heard it said quite a few times that people were learning new things uh, and you really want the participants to be engaged and to take some new facts and insights home with them and that seemed to be the case on this tour. Uh, there is clearly a lot of interest in new barley varieties out there. Peter Watts, who's the uh, managing director of the CMBTC, told us that he's heard it said for years that barley production is at a crossroads, but now it truly is. New varieties really must make their way into the system. For farmers, good disease packages are a must, and so is higher yield. But brewers need malting characteristics that meet their protein and brewing specifications. So, for everyone, it's all about marrying the specs with positive economics and agronomics. Here's more from CMBTC's Peter Watts. So this is uh, the first time we've done a, a crop tour uh, like this one, sort of focused on uh, more uh, North American, Canadian, uh, and, and local uh, people uh, in the value chain and others that are interested. We're going to visit three uh, farms today, which is really cool, I think. We're starting with uh, McAllister Farm, where we're going to see two varieties, uh, Synergy and Copeland. 
and uh, followed uh, after that we're going to head to the Hamel farm where we're going to see two varieties uh, no three varieties a low connect and Newdale and then uh, the third uh, farm that we'll visit is we'll have lunch there and then we'll go to the lens farm where we'll see uh, Fraser and Bo so you've all now by now uh, you have your uh, pamphlets here uh, with the uh, spec sheets for the different varieties and I'll just make a couple of comments about uh, about each of the varieties uh, we're not going to go into detail because we'll talk about them when we get to the farm site but a couple things and then you also I also handed out a sheet of paper with all the malting uh, registered uh, barley varieties in Canada so looking at the sheet it's pretty interesting somebody said to me last night I can't remember who said it when they looked at the sheet they said what they think about when they see this is missed opportunity and and the reason for that is if you look uh, on the left hand column at the top you'll see uh, AC Metcalf uh, which was registered in 1997 and then the first or second variety in the second column uh, under two row is CDC Copeland registered in 1999 so uh, and and the reason this is significant is that uh, this past year and for the last 15 years these two varieties have accounted for 75 to 80 percent of seeded acreage in Western Canada so these are the dominant malting barley varieties and they can continue to be to today um, and so clearly we're struggling as an industry to, uh, uh, to adopt and transition uh, to new varieties and new genetics and you can see all the varieties that were introduced uh, since uh, in the interim in the last 20 years uh, many that have come and gone but none that have gained widespread acceptance like, uh, like Metcalf and Copeland. There are a couple of varieties that have uh, uh, reached a certain level of success uh, back in the early 2000s. CDC Kendall looked very promising. Uh, Bob Chappell could probably help us understand why it never made it uh, to, uh, came to fruition to be a widespread accepted variety. Another variety on there that did uh, not too bad over the years is Newdale, continues to be grown. We're gonna see Newdale today. Interestingly, Newdale is a variety that uh, uh, craft brewers tend to like. Uh, which is a little bit surprising from my perspective in terms of the quality profile but it seems to work it also tends to grow fairly well in certain locations and it's done well uh, for example um, in Manitoba where uh, it's fared pretty well as a malting barley variety and um, and we see it being grown uh, as well to a certain extent Saskatchewan and, and Alberta but never gained that widespread acceptance like like Metcalf or Copeland uh, Bentley is a variety that was developed at Lacombe um, and uh, again, a variety that uh, did gain a little bit of traction, but never gained widespread acceptance. And it was used uh, a little bit by some of the malting companies in Canada, had some interest from the craft sector, but uh, never, never really gained that widespread acceptance. So, uh, and then we come to Synergy, AEC Synergy, which is a variety that uh, has done the best uh, release of any of them, apart from, I mean, I, I didn't mention M Meredith, I should, I should mention Meredith was a variety that looked very promising, had great agronomics, uh, but ultimately didn't perform uh, well in the, in the brew house, had some beta-glucan issues, and um, so Meredith was a, uh, a variety that, that unfortunately came and went. So fast forward to a few years ago, in 2012, AEC Synergy was registered, and this is a variety that's gained some traction, very good yields, so producers like it, um, and the craft industry uh, in particular has tended to like AEC Synergy. So it's a promising variety, we're gonna see it today as well. 
But looking forward, and this is part of the reason for um, this type of crop tour, is for us to look at these new varieties that are up and coming and start to educate ourselves and educate end users uh, about which uh, the quality characteristics of the, of the new varieties um, and, um, and, and figure out which of these are going to be the, the, the winners uh, in the future and the replacements for the stalwarts Metcalf and Copeland. So if we look at our uh, booklet, you can see in there there's uh, quality descriptions of each of the varieties. So uh, we provided data from the uh, co-op and collab trials that are submitted at the time of uh, when the breeders are requesting varieties be registered. And so you can see the co-op and collab data uh, on the first page. And then on the second page uh, are the results from this Canadian Multi-Variety Technical Centre uh, pilot scale uh, testing. So that's the difference between the results on the left versus the results on the right. Uh, and so you've got both malting and brewing data there from, from the CMDTC. Um, generally speaking, uh, I mentioned that Synergy is a variety that's tended to be uh, sort of more targeted towards the craft sector. And we're gonna see a couple varieties today that are sort of more, let's call them crafty. Uh, one of them is low. Uh, and um, so we're going to see low at the Hamel farm, I believe. Uh, and another variety that's in your book that's targeted towards the craft sector, which we won't see today, is on the very last page, and that's a brand new variety called CDC Churchill. And uh, that was developed uh, in Saskatoon, specifically uh, with the craft sector, the all malt sector in mind. The other varieties in here that we're going to see the uh, would generally be sort of more targeted towards the macro brewing sector. So that would be the varieties like AC Connect, CDC Bow, uh, and CDC Fraser. And so we're gonna see all those varieties today. Uh, and these tend to be higher protein, uh, higher enzyme varieties that would be more suitable for, for the mainstream brewing industry. So, uh, you know, I, I think today is, is interesting because we're going to get to see these varieties up close in the field. It's going to be very interesting. Uh, get a real sense of, of how they perform, talk to the producers and, and get a sense from them how they see them because it's not just about the end user. These varieties have to work for the producer, obviously. Um, we just drove by a field of, of barley and Bob was pointing out that there was some lodging there. Lodging is obviously a big issue and they're seeing a lot of it this year in Alberta. Um, and, um, and with all the rains across the prairies, we'll probably see a lot of lodging this year. So these are the types of things that producers are obviously looking at. Um, so it's going to be very interesting to see these uh, varieties up close and personal in, in, the, uh, in the field. We did indeed get up close in the field with the barley varieties Peter Watts mentions. What follows is a selection of comments made by the farmers growing those malting barley crops. We'll hear from the McAllisters and the Hamels as well as from Jason Lenz. Uh, so out here is about 150 acres, uh, seeded on May 9th. Um, Copeland seeded about uh, three and a half bushels an acre. Which so it's a little, little heavy, but uh, we like to uh, seed heavier, have more plants per square foot. And that way, if it is a dry year, um, the crop just matures more evenly. Uh, we straight cut all our barley. Uh, we don't swath it, lots of guys swath barley, but we straight cut it. Uh, it's another reason why it's important to have it a grain dryer for us. So, uh, so we don't spray glyphosate on it, we don't dry it down that way. Instead of swathing it, we just kind of just let it dry down naturally, straight cut it and run it through the dryer if we have to. Um, so yeah, this is Copeland. We've been growing Copeland as long as I can remember. I think Dad can maybe fill you in on how long we've been growing it for. Uh, started growing Synergy a couple years ago. Uh, it's kind of that new 
up and coming best variety for the farmers. Uh, movement on it's been really good, but we can chat about that more at the Synergy Field. So every fall we get uh, all of our fields tested. Um, we're starting to go towards uh, GPS locations. So every year it's soil tested in the exact same spot. And that way we can know if we're building or losing our, yeah. our nutrients in our soil. We spread all of our potash and our sulfur um, every th a third of our acres every three years yep. um, get spread so we don't have to put it through the drill. It's horrible stuff to put through the drill especially when it's human stuff it, it gums up all the towers and stuff. So we put enough on for a three-year supply and the plant just takes up what it needs every spring and this year was our third year our true test and uh, tissue samples show that it's working so working we'll very well. the yield does yep. we'll see if it runs out at the end. So yeah, but so that's that's why we test every every field every year. Okay, so thanks everyone for coming. I think we got everyone uh, here. That's great. Um, so this is good. This is uh, probably the highest pressure that I've ever had on a tour. Uh, we got other malt companies. We got brewers. Uh, we got farmers. So I can't bullshit anything. <laughs> this is <laughs> I don't like this at all. <laughs> uh, Hamill Farms, fourth generation grain farm, 1929, great grandpa. Um, who passed it on to grandpa. Uh, dad ended up taking over the farm. He farms a little bit with his brother as well. Um, dad's in the back, John. Mom, Susie's kicking around somewhere in the office. Yep, she heard me. <laughs> um, and then uh, Joe and Daylin are the other members of Red Shed Malting. So very much a, a family focused company. Um, we started up uh, about three years ago um, and it's been just a blast kind of growing with the industry with all these craft, malt, uh, craft brewers that are popping up. Um, we have the only malt roaster in Canada. So if you want to make dark beers and you want to use Canadian ingredients, then you got to use some of the Red Shed malt. Um, so we have a lineup of roasted malts. We have a few high kiln malts and we have some base malts and I'll explain a little bit what that means too. Our base malts are variety specific. So you can get the flavor from the actual variety come through and see if uh, that's something that you're excited about as a brewer or as a consumer. Kind of history of this field. Um, it was in canola last year. Um, this bow is uh, one year from certified. So we had certified bow last year. And obviously this is new certified seed from a seed grower down by Didsbury. Um, very much kind of the same story as what Wade was talking about. We plant, we seed even higher rates than what Wade did. So the bull was about 183 pounds per acre or just about four pounds. This was a little bit less because I was trying to stretch it out to, to get 50 acres. It is still like 170, I think. Um, and our, we deal with Farmer's Edge for our fertility. So we do variable rate fertility in all our, all our fields. So I think Wade mentioned they put 55 pounds kind of a blanket rate on theirs. Well, we go from 50 pounds to 75 pounds, depending what the soil tests say. And um, we didn't do it necessary to gain yield, but we're trying to get rid of some of the lodging issues that we have in this area, because we do get lots of rainfall here and, and grow real heavy crops. And we are definitely starting to see a lot more evenness in our fields. There's a few little lodging areas, like even back here at the approach, there used to be an old bin site there, so I haven't quite got that one figured out yet, but <laughs> it, it's just a small area. But um, and the, this field here and the one behind the farm and one other one actually have quite a history of hog manure on them. We used to put hog manure from our hog operation up until five years ago. And that's, that's lots of nutrients, right? And lots of phosphorus and lots of nit nitrogen. And we were having problems with lodging. So uh, we had to grow very strong, specific, 
specifically strong barley is rather than going for yield. That's why we like boas because its package is known to be a very strong strawed barley. To help better understand what the brewing industry is looking for in new varieties, I caught up with Gina Feist, Executive Director of the Brewing and Malting Barley Research Institute in Saskatoon. I wanted to find out what the brewing industry perspective is on the push to get new varieties into circulation. I'm chatting with uh, Gina Feist, Executive Director of uh, BMBRI, the uh, Brewing and Malting Barley Research Institute. Um, well, we got a few questions for you. Uh, let, let's just start with, uh, uh, why is the development and rollout of new uh, malting barley varieties so important uh, uh, to the health of the barley value chain? Yeah, uh, these new varieties are critically important because they keep barley as a compatible, a competitive cropping option for farmers. Right now, over the last number of years, we've seen a decrease in the number of acres of barley, you know, as other crops such as canola are showing higher profitability. So we want to see these newer varieties with better disease resistance, higher yield, um, good economics in their hands and being used by end users so that uh, barley can you know continue to be in the cropping rotation. And potentially we can get those acres up. Definitely so that we have you know enough quality malt barley out there for maltsters and brewers. Fantastic. Um, what, what kind of hurdles to a, a adoption uh, mm. of the new uh, varieties by uh, uh, brewers are there? Yeah. This has been one of the biggest issues, you know, really we've had Metcalf and Copeland around for 20 years now and it's a little bit of a chicken and the egg because farmers, uh, you know, are a little bit reluctant to grow these new varieties when they don't know if they're going to have um, a place to sell them and brewers and maltsters need to test them um, in their own facilities to be sure that they're at the performance they want to see. And so often you don't have the seed available, you know, because farmers aren't growing it to do a lot of this testing. But over the next year, we are going to be working closely with CMBTC to put a variety acceptance strategy where we can send those signals a little bit earlier and get some of these new varieties um, tested earlier in, earlier in the production and have farmers growing them. Sure, sure. Bit of a group. A group effort here. Uh, Definitely. Getting yeah. Those, uh, getting those out in the world. Um, we know uh, we know taste is a huge component of uh, beer. Uh, how can new varieties affect uh, taste and, 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 and answer to uh, consumer taste desires? That's an interesting question. Uh, the taste of beer, you know, may come from the varieties, and we're doing some testing. There's also, you know, the type of yeast you're using. There's an, there's an, and the hops, of course. So there's a number, a number of different components that make up the taste of beer. But we are currently funding a project right now that's looking at um, some of the newer varieties that we have out and the taste that is associated with them. So we're hoping to see some results out of that. Um, it's a challenging project, though, because of course the the weather and the location where they're grown also impact. Um, the taste that comes through. So we're interested to see uh, see that, and it's I think maltsters and brewers are interested in it also. Um, how uh, how is BMBRI uh, collaborating with uh, the crop groups and, and, and industry in terms of uh, creating buy-in and uh, partnership with with respect to new uh, varietal development? Over the last year we've had the Canadian Barley Roundtable which there's been some really great initiatives coming out of and I'm looking forward to um, working with my colleagues on a number of them. So the first one 
uh, is a research coalition that will be established this fall uh, for funders of Barley Research. So there, you know, under that coalition we'll be able to, as a group, identify research of the highest priority and invest, uh, you know, put critical investment into those areas so that we can be sure we get, um, I guess, what we need out of research in the end. So that's one of the initiatives that allow us to work on that. A lot more sharing of information of the research and communication around what's being funded. Uh, the second one, and I mentioned it previously, is the Variety Acceptance Strategy led by CMBTC. So that's going to be a very important initiative. Um, BMBRI will participate with its maltsters and brewers to um, work together to select replacements for Copeland and Metcalf over the next years. Um, I, I guess the structure of the Barley Council of Canada has, has changed to um, allow um, you know, representatives from across the industry on the board, so I think that's another important initiative for collaboration. And then finally would be the National Barley Research Strategy, which will be led by BMBRI. So on behalf of the in industry, we'll facilitate that strategy, and then we'll have a, a roadmap for investment going forward. So that's just a few of the things, and of course, I think as colleagues, we all are really looking forward to work together and um, a lot of great relationships. It seems to be a bit of excitement around the the, uh, the development of these new, new varieties. And um, definitely there's a lot of excitement and I think the time has come where there's also a lot of um, push behind a lot of uh, wanting to see new varieties in the hands of end users. So um, the desire is there to make these things happen. Sure thing. Um, one last question. Uh, I guess, what value do you see in uh, events like this that uh, promote the uh, new variety acceptance? Well, it's always great to see the varieties in the field and hear firsthand from farmers how well they're growing, the agronomics, you know, seeing in the yield, the lodging, all of those things. And you can read the data from the testing, but really when it gets into the hands of farmers, that's when the real data comes out. So that's a great opportunity. And then, of course, the networking. We sit together with colleagues here and we talk about um, a number of the issues and how we're going to approach them and that's always, always good. Well, well, thanks for your time today. I really appreciate it and uh, enjoy the event. I will. Thank you. Brewers are naturally tuned in to the needs and wants of their beer drinking customers. Another representative of the brewing industry who took part in the crop tour was Jeremy McLaughlin. He's Brewery Operations Manager for Village Brewery. We talked about that connection between malting barley variety choice and consumer taste preference. How important is the choice of uh, malting barley variety for you and, and to craft brewers in general? You being village brewers. Yeah, I think like I've said this before to other people on this trip, um, I'm not an expert at breeding barley or developing new barley varieties and you know we have a good relationship with our malting companies. So in essence, it's very important, but I leave the decisions to someone who it's, they're an expert in their field. I think when it comes down to it, um, looking always as a business, looking for consistency in your product is right. pinnacle. Uh, and also, you know, if, if there was a variety that came out that had a higher yield or something and they were able to re reduce price on a product, then that's also important to us. All yeah. of interest to brewers, of yeah. course, yeah. Um, how, how much, I don't know, I suppose, how much 
you know, consumer, how much does consumer taste preference figure into uh, what you folks might do in terms of the barley varieties you uh, would like to see in your in, in the malt that you use? That's a tough one because, like, it's not like we have a tasting panel for determining which barley variety we're using in our brands. You know, especially with our core brands, they're already made up, and so over the years. Um, just we, we we know which products taste good and again it comes down to getting consistent products so even if there's a new variety being used um, if it's in the same vein as the previous product then that's fine so unfortunately not that much but we definitely do um, tasting panels on our products when we're making them sure and getting all sorts of people involved with that not just staff and certainly, if 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 a new breed doesn't uh, doesn't work for you, you yeah. you'll, you'll you'll pretty much know right away. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, what are the? Uh, I'd like to know a little bit of, uh, kind of about the taste trends. I suppose that uh, well are influencing indirectly the malt varieties, but I suppose that, you know, obviously they're directly uh, affecting the products that you're putting on the market. What are what are the the big trends? Uh, the, maybe new varieties could speak to well i know like there's a couple of trends that have been going on in the brewing industry for a couple of years like sours were definitely over the last couple of years like taking a big going through a big boom um and then i'd say over the last year um hazy beers yeah so that's a that's a definitely definitely big deal that you could impact with uh with different varieties uh and different processes for malting and all that um, so those are definitely some things that are uh, in could be impacted by new varieties but also I like the craft lager idea is super big now everyone's releasing their own Pilsner or their own lager whatever style of lager it is and those styles of beer are very influenced by the base malt you're using so what the flavor of those are um, so you could you can easily change the flavor of your product by having a different uh, base malt in there and a different variety of barley so it would be it like I like to say like blondes and lagers generally showcase your malt yeah. so if you're showcasing your malt any variety is going to make a difference on it. You heard Jason Lenz say that yield is the big driver for farmers in accepting new barley varieties. Ultimately, higher returns at the elevator are what is really driving the uptake of these new varieties. But the economic return on new varieties is also driven by the needs of the maltsters and the brewers who are looking to satisfy customers and create new products. At the start of this podcast, we talked about barley production being at a crossroads. The industry absolutely needs to grow and market new varieties. The interests of all the players in the barley chain also meet at that crossroads, where the new barley is growing like gangbusters in the field and the brewers are taking that grain and making great beer with it, the whole system wins. Thank you very much for listening to the Grains West podcast. This has been a production of Grains West magazine, which is co-funded by Alberta Barley and the Alberta Wheat Commission. The Grains West podcast is hosted by me, Jeff Clovis, and is produced by Ian Doig, Tommy Wilson, and Coles Ag Media Group. Get this podcast and future episodes from iTunes or wherever you access your podcasts and enjoy to listen. 
please rate and review. It helps us a lot. And you can always share your thoughts on the Grains West podcast by emailing us at info at grainswest.com. 